It's the most popular sport on the planet, with an estimated 4 billion fans worldwide. But not everybody grew up watching or playing soccer, particularly here in the U.S. I sure didn't. I made fun of soccer, called it boring, hard to follow, and not as entertaining as football, basketball, or baseball. But thanks to some basic education about the game and a few viewings of English Premier League matches, I realized I had been wrong all those years, and I became hooked. It's a far more compelling sport to watch than I used to think. Tense, exciting, and when played by the great ones, graceful and elegant. This show is for anybody who's curious why so many people love this game. It's for new fans of the European club teams looking for analysis that doesn't get too far into the weeds because, frankly, we wouldn't know how to be that in-depth. It's for anybody who wants to join us on our journey of getting to know better the most popular sport in the world. We'll talk about the game itself, the rules, the terminology, the strategy, and we'll talk about the top club soccer league in the world, the English Premier League, its teams, its history, its players, each week's games, all of it. We're kind of learning as we go here, but we're hoping you'll share that experience with us and come along for the ride. This is Hands Off Those Balls. It was a week in which none of the big six teams won. None of them. It was disappointing draws for the teams at the top of the table and an unsatisfying draw in one of English football's most legendary rivalries. All told, it was just a great big nothing burger of a weekend. Welcome to another edition of Hands Off Those Balls. My name is Mike. I am joined as always by Jared. Jared, how are you doing this week? I'm doing okay, Mike. How about yourself? Uh, generally speaking, I'm doing all right. Uh, do you agree or disagree with my description of the weekend yeah. from a uh, viewership perspective. I, I, I absolutely agree. I mean, um, do you remember in match day two when the EPL broke the record for goals in a week with 44? I don't know if you remember that the or not. Far cry from yesterday. Yes. Or um, this weekend. You want to take a guess at how many goals were scored in uh, this match week? Uh, it would be a guess because I didn't look into such things. How about maybe 15? All right, not bad. 19. Wow. Yeah. I don't know where that qualifies in the grand scheme of ineptitude, but... It uh, felt inept. Yeah, it did. It just... It, I don't know. So, again, here's... You talk about opportunities. Spurs were playing Crystal Palace. Liverpool was playing Fulham. I mean, if, th those are two gimmies right if there. If there was right. ever a moment that you thought, well, here's when Fulham... Or ra rather, here's where Liverpool really starts uh, staking their claim to the table they tied them and so barn door wide open for spurs to take a lead and spurs ties crystal palace i mean crystal palace is a premier league team they uh exist i suppose is, is a nice way of putting it they're not great but they're they're there and, and they're capable but come on I mean, you mentioned Liverpool tied Fulham. They were lucky to tie. That's Fulham. true. They were lucky to yeah, tie. Yeah, we'll talk about more detail on that in a moment. But yeah, and um, you know, look, this shouldn't really affect our uh, our feelings about the weekend from a an enjoyment perspective of the games and and the the competition of the games. Uh, but it is hard to feel good about a weekend's. Uh, English Premier League viewing when your Premier League fantasy team as a whole scores a combined one goal and it was yep. the goal you're alluding to that that Liverpool was lucky to get mm -hmm. so uh, I, I, I'm sure that clouds my judgment to an extent um, but I just did not enjoy this weekend from from a Premier League viewer perspective um, again more on that later so, we realize it had been a number of weeks since we had uh, an installment of everybody's favorite segment, Now What Did We Fuck Up? So, we figured it was as good a time as any. We've uh, uh, cobbled together some of our uh, less forgivable errors over the past few weeks. So, we're going to talk about those in a moment. But first... Very exciting moment for, for the, uh, the hands-off-those-balls crew. 
because we have new imaging to introduce this segment uh, that we would like you all to listen to first. So we will take a brief break for that and then take it up with another segment of Now What Did We Fuck Up? So listen to this. Oh no! Jason Vardy scored. Not even close. For back of a letter term. For Roy Hodgson of Newcastle. You better not be wrong because... That's how you get the buzz. I'm sorry, Frank. I think you missed it. Hands Off Those Balls presents... Now what did we f*** up? I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Well, how about that? Very exciting for us around here. Nice work, Mike. Uh, well, well, thank you. I, I can't take the credit for, uh, for the non-original content in there. Um, and I assure you, went to great pains to negotiate uh, the copyright clearances that needed to be uh, paid to... <laughs> Various uh, Hollywood movie houses and television studios, states, and whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah, we were we were very careful on that. Uh, here's to hoping we don't get sued. So, moving right along, then let's talk about the various and sundry things that Jared and I have screwed up over the last few weeks. Um, in in no particular order, I'll I'll begin. So, a few weeks ago. Episode 24, if you're keeping score at home, we discussed our all-hyphen team, and uh, that's exactly what it sounds like. It was a, a squad uh, starting 11. Uh, we covered all of the uh, positions on the field with Premier League players whose names are hyphenated. We're not going to go through all of them right now. However, there was a moment in that episode where I seemed very convinced that uh, Manchester United's Aaron Juan Pasaka, whose name is hyphenated, uh, scored a goal that previous weekend, and I, you know, kept alluding to it. And Jared was very familiar with what happened in the Manchester United game, and insisted that Juan Pasaka had not scored. That's because Juan Pasaka had not scored. Uh, for some reason, I was mixing up Juan Pasaka with another prospective all-team player Ryan Aitnori from Wolves who had scored that weekend and had been uh, shall we say an honorable mention for the all-hyphen team so I think that's why I had him on on the brain for all-hyphen team players who had scored that weekend it can happen to anyone so so that's uh, that's it. it's not like the names are all that similar except for the hyphen <laughs> <laughs> Uh, not terribly forgivable, but um, I must say slightly more forgivable than, than another one of these. But also in that same episode, episode 24, um, uh, pretty insulting uh, statement by me about Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who at that time had the lead in the league for goals. Uh, does he still? He does, by one. By one, okay. Yeah. Uh, but he certainly did at that time, and I marveled at what a surprise it was because I said, geez, last year he only had like nine goals, and here he is. He's already got, at that time, you know, maybe he had eight or something. Um, well, you know, bad guy I am because Dominic Calvert-Lewin had 13 goals last year, which is substantially more than nine. Yeah. And, um, you know, probably wouldn't have the job he has consistently starting as the uh, Everton striker if he had only had nine last year. So uh, sorry, DCL. It's it's 13 last year and going to be more this year. So uh, congratulations on your good play. Um, why don't you uh, share a couple of yours because I'm just I'm so mad at myself for, for the next one I want to talk about that I want to delay when I actually do so. No, that's fine. So uh, I'll talk about a very minor one that I'd had, and then I'll talk about a more substantial one that I'm pretty embarrassed about. The minor one first. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was speaking about and criticizing Manchester United's choice for alternate uniforms. I had mentioned that they were similar to Newcastle's, um, striped. You had me confused. I know exactly where you're going with this, yeah. because I remember I was standing here at the time, and I'm like, 
yellow and black. I don't remember that. What, what uh, was is that? What they were? Uh, well, I, hell, Jared always you know no, researches was, these things. Maybe I had bumblebees on the brain. I don't know, but. <laughs> I said that they had yellow and black diagonal striped uniforms, and I meant to say white and black. So Newcastle uniforms, but at an angle. Um, well, let's diagonal striped. Yeah. Well, Newcastles are just right. vertical, right? Right. So I was just saying they were like the Newcastle ones, but at an angle. So Newcastles look like the referees, white and black interspersed. Okay. But the Manchester United alternate uniforms for that day were 45 degrees but white and black but white and black not yellow and black so that was the mistake there um the slightly more embarrassing one um so just last week i'd made a comment about how i pride myself on having a good memory um that's always it's yeah. always a bad thing to say yeah. because you're gonna forget where your keys are inside an hour when you say something like that yeah um in an episode about six weeks ago though that was not the case um so if our listeners remember, before the season even started on a show, I did sort of a preview of the three teams that were promoted in Leeds, uh, West Brom, and Fulham. Sort of interesting tidbits, you know, management, upcoming derbies that may have been involved, main players to look out for, and just generally what we can expect from the introduction of these clubs into the EPL. Very useful information for viewers who had never seen these teams play before, like us. And, sure, yeah. Um, any Anybody who's... Just getting to know him for the first time. You know, like us. Um, for Leeds, I mentioned Patrick Bamford as their leading scorer with 16 goals. For Fulham, I mentioned Alexander Mitrovic uh, as their team leading and lead, lead leading scorer with 26 goals. Now, all of this is correct information. However, however, um, in a later episode about six weeks ago, I crossed the streams and mixed <laughs> mixed up the facts. So my memory had Bamford with... Uh, league leading 26 goals, and I reported as such. Um, and I rightfully got the buzzer. So my apologies to Alexander Mitrovic and taking his Championship League golden boot away, uh, if that's even what it's called. I was about level. to ask but if we knew I, that. Yeah, it's, I don't know. But it's, it's a fair question. Yeah. I, I, I can see the argument both ways that, that that is what you would call it. I can see the argument going the other way that, no, no, it's it's the silver boot when you do it at the Championship level. Right. Um, but anyways, I uh, I took that away from him, and I felt kind of bad about that. So, well, forgiveness all around. <laughs> uh, so, moving right along to just the the least forgivable mistake uh, that I could make. So, a couple episodes ago, this would have been episode twenty six. Uh, wasn't sort of the main topic, but. Uh, the the idea of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer being on a bit of a hot seat in his position as Manchester United manager came up. Now, hit the hit the pause button here for a minute on the story. Manchester United has now gone like five straight um, matches in the Premier League without a loss. So, uh, and that includes a streak of four consecutive wins. So. He's doing something right now, but at that time, I think that streak had only been a match or two, and I think the most recent had been a win against like West Brom or something. It was an, an uninspiring victory, and he, you know, had 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 some losses to teams that he shouldn't have, and as we just saw a week or two ago, uh, wasn't performing well in the group stage at the Champions League, which Manchester United has now officially exited because they failed to advance out of the group stage so down there he ain't doing he's still not doing great in uh in europe play but he's sort of righted the ship they're they're in the top half of the table but the the lower half of the top half if, right yeah if we want to go that way however i was suggesting that solshar you know doesn't have um you know a lock on the job as a result of his former great play as a Manchester United player back in their glory days. You know, he was a, a goal scorer for them back in the day. Uh, and I wanted to make clear that I didn't feel that that was somehow going to make him immune from um, being sacked, to use the British term, uh, should the losing ways of Manchester United continue. And in making this point, I brought up the fact that 
As we know, I'm a Yankee fan, and I watched Yogi Berra, a Hall of Fame catcher who became a manager, get fired because the team didn't win. I watched Bucky Dent, who was a World Series, multiple World Series champion as a Yankee shortstop in the 70s, who hit one of the most famous home runs in Yankee history on October 3rd, 1978. Okay, it was October 2nd. This may not seem like a big deal to you non-Yankee fans, but it is a big deal. You need to know when this this happened because it was a great moment in Yankee history and it enrages Red Sox fans to the point that they can't even utter Bucky Dent's name without throwing an expletive between his first and last name. Oh, he's hated. So um, I really should have done a better job remembering the date of such an historically significant event as the Bucky Dent home run. Okay, I, I got it out. So um, uh, the last one of these uh, is, is actually the most recent. Happened just last week. And uh, I actually didn't buzz it on uh, during the editing process because, quite frankly, I didn't want to sort of distract from the point I was trying to make at the time um, without getting myself all fired up again if you listened last week you may recall i had a bit of a hot take slash rant about the mouth breathers up at millwall who booed the players taking a knee in support of the premier league or rather english football's um anti-racism position um and that i was upset by it and that these guys you know should be ashamed of themselves and what is so controversial about English football's slogan of no place for racism? Well, the slogan is actually no room for racism. I should have gotten that right. Uh, same concept, obviously. But, yeah, if you look at the sleeve, it says no room for racism. That's interesting. One's an alliteration and one's almost a rhyme. So they both kind of work there, right? Yeah. yeah. I see what you're, what you're saying there. Um I guess we'd have to ask a a poet which one would be preferable. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, the the slogan is no room for racism. It is equally non-controversial. The jack wagons at Millwall shouldn't be booing that sentiment either. Um, uh, Don't get me started. So I will just uh, sort of end with that note that I should have gotten the slogan right. I didn't. And um, if you listened last week and wondered why I didn't buzz it, it was because I didn't want to sort of detract from the point I was trying to make. But uh, count this as the buzzing uh, (laughs) in a formal sense. Uh, Jared, what else you got? Uh, I got one more. So on a show about a month ago, I claimed that we had scored the most fantasy points in our head-to-head league that week. Um, That actually turned out to be wrong, and I think it actually turned out to be very wrong because because I think two teams ended up surpassing us that week. Um, You know, I'm still learning about this, but apparently... Oh, was it a bonus point issue? It was a bonus point and a sub-in issue. Oh, right. so stupid. Um, So anyways, I'm still learning. I'm trying to figure out how to mentally account for some of these things that are delayed. This does lead me to a little mini rant here. Oh, Um, excellent. um, uh, So... You may have an explanation for this. I don't. Doubtful. Um, why is any of this stuff delayed if it's all programmatic and and sort of automated? Um, if you think about it, if all we're doing is counting, you know, aggregated or, you know, if this player had zero minutes, sub in this other one, like, why is any of this stuff delayed at all? Um, so, just to, to put a, a, a point on it, game will be over. The, the whole week of games will be over, let's say. You know, the 10th match of the weekend has concluded. You would think you could look at your Premier League app on your phone and go to the Fantasy tab, and it would have, thanks to the miracle of computers, calculated all the point totals and you know even the, the tough ones to figure out, like... Subbed in who needs to sub in. Yeah. And yeah. Players subbing in for players who didn't even play bonus points that you get sometimes for some pretty innocuous on the field uh moments but again i mean i won't even use the example of we put a man on the moon we've we're all walking (laughs) around with computers in our pockets right Uh, you know the certainly the premier league has the, the capability of performing the necessary arithmetic so that 
at game's end, you can look down on your phone and boom, there's the final tally of everybody's score. It's not what happens. Usually you, you actually got to wait like till the next day to or, really feel any confidence in what you're looking at. Or if you want, you know, an exercise in intellect, you can kind of start to mentally say, well, Connor Cody's going to be subbed in for this guy. This guy's still got some bonus points coming and start, you know, coming up with these tentative totals and try to predict what's going to happen. And it's that's just not fun. By late afternoon on a Sunday in the fall, no. I'm usually too blasted to do I'm that sort of math that, yeah. anyway. Um, yeah, it's I don't know what takes them so long. Um, it's it's kind of annoying. Um, and in this case, that's that's the explanation for why we thought we had the most points. But yep. then you had two teams that sneaked by us. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a bit of a of a. A surprise how frequently ties happen in this league week to week yeah when you when you get upwards of 70 points how do you get the exact same number yeah you know? uh, it's certainly not like everybody's playing the same players although you sometimes encounter an opponent who's got maybe four of the same 11 that you do which is annoying in its own right but um yeah it's just a um uh, a weird circumstance when you you end up tying with somebody or winning by a point, which w- we've done both. Mm-hmm. So it's it shouldn't be a surprise that uh, weird bonus point calculations or unexpected sub ins are gonna change the uh, the result of a head to head match. So I won't hold it against you, Jared. Uh, we'll do better next Thanks, time. Yeah. <laughs> so. With that, we will we will take our halftime break because we got a long scores and schedules report for you this week because we are entering the festive fixtures portion of the Premier League season. So you're getting two match weeks in the span of a single calendar week uh, coming up. So very exciting. We'll give you all of those matchups. And Jared and I will be back to talk about this past week's matches. In just a moment, we'll be right back. Here are your scores from Match Week 12 in the English Premier League. Friday saw West Ham defeat Leeds 2-1 at Ellen Road. On Saturday, Aston Villa topped Wolves 1-0. Newcastle beat West Brom 2-1. The Manchester Derby played out to a scoreless draw, and Everton edged Chelsea 1-0. The Sunday action started with Southampton handing Sheffield their 11th loss in 12 matches. Spurs settled for a disappointing 1-1 draw against Crystal Palace. Fulham shocked Liverpool by holding the Reds to a one-goal draw. Leicester dismantled Brighton 3-0, and Burnley outgunned Arsenal one goal to none. It's festive fixtures time, so Match Week 13 begins Tuesday with Chelsea playing Wolves at Stamford Bridge. West Brom visits Manchester City that same day. On Wednesday, Arsenal hosts Southampton. Everton travels to Leicester. Newcastle visits Leeds. Brighton heads to Craven Cottage to face Fulham. Crystal Palace takes a cab to West Ham for their London derby. And the match of the day sees the two leaders in the table face off as Spurs heads to Merseyside to meet Liverpool. Thursday features Aston Villa hosting Burnley and Manchester United visiting Sheffield. Match Week 14 starts Saturday with Liverpool taking on Crystal Palace in London. Southampton hosts Man City. Arsenal visits Everton and Fulham heads north to take on Newcastle. On Sunday, Brighton hosts Sheffield. Leicester visits Spurs. Leeds travels to Manchester United and West Brom hosts Aston Villa. The frantic week concludes Monday as Wolves head to Burnley and Chelsea hosts West Ham. That's what's happening in the EPL. Now back to the show. And we are back. So, uh, again, as I alluded to earlier, there was uh, not a lot to get too excited about this week, but there were some moments in these games, and I know, Jared, you wanted to start off with uh, Wolves taking on Aston Villa, which had at least some fantasy implications for us. Uh, Sure it did. I mean, so Wolves uh, were hosting Villa. The Wolves start Fabio Silva for his first ever EPL start uh, as center striker for the injured Raul Jimenez. He's doing better. Um, you know, there's there's talk of him um, being released from the hospital, I believe. So uh, that's good. I don't know when we're going to see him on a pitch anytime yeah. soon. I mean, fractured skull. Those are those are words that sort of put some fear in your belly about <laughs> whether or not you're going to see him again. So um, 
That's why that guy was in there. Um, so this one was pretty good and competitive. Uh, got a little sloppy towards the end um, in the 84th minute, still nil-nil. Uh, and Douglas Louise of Villa, not to be confused with David Louise, um, picks up his second yellow card of the game uh, for an elbow to the throat of Wolves player Podence. Yeah, weren't there like 10 bookings in this match? There were a, there were a lot. Yeah, there were a lot. Um, so he gets sent off with about 10 minutes to, to play. So the question is, is that enough time to matter for Wolves? And the answer is yes, but not in the direction you'd think. You'd think the, the team that was playing a man, a man up. up would be the one to, to come out on top, and that did not happen. So um, Wolves actually take down uh, Villa player McGinn in the box on an opportunity in stoppage time. So Villa's taking a penalty kick in a nil-nil game. Big uh, moment. Yeah. If only we had Villa's striker on our fantasy team for a moment like this. I thought Grealish might take this, but he did not. Um, This was sort of one of the running themes for this week, and maybe I'm misremembering, but it was kind of annoying. I mean, the same thing happened in the Leeds game with... uh, Bamford. Bamford. Um, Click actually took the penalty kick in lieu of him. So I don't know if I'm misremembering this, Mike, or what's going on. I mean... I mean, look, it's if you pull up uh, even the, the Premier League app will give you a list of players for each team who take set pieces to include penalty kicks. And it's not always the same guy. I mean, there's a bit of dread that I have that it's not going to be Mo Salah taking the penalty kick every time. Like, you know, we're going to see Mane take one. We're going to see Firmino take one. Hell, we might see Alexander-Arnold take one. Um, yeah. So... They, they do bounce them around. It did seem this weekend, though, that every time you looked up, some random guy, at least to me, was was setting up a penalty kick and, and yeah. it wasn't whom you thought. And we've selected players on our fantasy team with an eye toward who kicks penalties. So that that kind of sucks when, when Grealish doesn't take the shot. It does. I mean, um, you know, so uh, Wolves, or I'm sorry, Villa actually successfully convert to penalty kick and then to add insult to injury for Wolves, in the closing seconds, uh, one of their players picks up his second yellow card and is sent off um, for a bad challenge. So, uh, 1-0 is the final for Villa. This uh, loss drops Wolves to 13th. Not good. Not what we expected coming no. into the season. I mean, it's it's still early enough that you can say it's still early. I think with the new year, that, yeah. that argument's going to get pretty stale. Um, but, you know. The 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 uh, standings change each week and and can change by a lot you know, sure. because yeah. teams are all sort of bunched up in that twenty point window there. So okay, if you you lose and I win, well that's three points, and if we were tied, that's a big jump. And if there were a couple teams tied at twenty, that can be a a several place jump, and and that's still happening. Yeah, at this point in the season, like I say, the new year. Might be a little different. I mean, I'd read somewhere that I think eight points is separating first and 13 now. So really, yeah, one so win is just leaping you up four, totally. five, four or five spots. Um, we also had the Manchester Derby. Uh, Manchester United hosting Manchester City. So there were probably a lot of people making on a lot of action uh, and scoring on this one. Uh, the, you know, the announcer, the announcer made the comment, both teams could break into the top four with a win here. Um, you know, sort of ominous... Yeah. foreboding of what was going to happen. Right. But and, and if, if memory also serves, uh, the commentator that does matches with Arlo, um, whose name I'm forgetting, Graham something, um, I think, it, didn't he make a prediction of like four goals in this match? <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> and, and, you know, the, he was giving himself crap about it as the match wore on, scoreless. Um yeah. Not what anybody was expecting. Rest in peace, all those people that capped in De Bruyne. You know, it's like... Uh, um, but this was nil-no going into the second half. A little bit of controversy. Um, and this was actually something I saw quite a bit in a, a games this weekend. And it was uh, would-be penalties being reversed, not because they reevaluated the foul and decided it wasn't a foul, but because they had determined that offsides had, had happened yeah. moments before. So... That actually happened in this one. Um, 
Rashford for Man United is on a break. Uh, appears to have his foot kicked in the box for the penalty. So it was a questionable penalty at that, but one that could have stand, could have stood. Uh, however, this one was reviewed and the penalty is overturned because Rashford was offsides on the break. With our luck, Bruno wouldn't have taken the penalty anyway. That's true. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that did. And, and this goes back to, uh, I'm, and I heard some of the commentators this weekend making the same point. Like, I'm not 100% on board with this whole don't raise the flag for 10 seconds and then raise yeah. it thing. Like, that would have saved a, a decent amount of, like, angina for people who mm-hmm. were all excited about a possible Manchester United penalty only to have it thrust away from them with Just an totally offside call. totally off, yeah. Um, lots of opportunities, near misses in this one, but this one ended in a nil-nil draw. I think everyone was pretty... Uh, I kind of felt like Manchester United by the end was, you know, maybe in the last 15 to 20 minutes was just playing not to lose. Yeah. Um, which made for unpleasant viewing. Um, <laughs> again, one wonders how tainted my, my outlook is based on fantasy implications. Yeah. It wasn't wasn't nearly as bad as as you know the uh, the angel and the devil one on each shoulder I had going on during the Spurs match because of course there's always uh, fantasy implications there that that turned me into a Spurs hater. So, <laughs> what what does he call them? The Tottenham two step. Tottenham two step. I, I like that. Everybody's uh, got Kane and Soane on their team except us. <laughs> um. We also had Everton hosting Chelsea, so we have uh, relatively newly acquired uh, Calvert-Lewin, and we also have newly acquired uh, Edward Mendy, although... He was on the bench. He was on the bench. Um, For us, not in in real life. Not in real life, yeah. Uh, I did... I know you don't... uh, You and I don't agree on lookalikes, but I did find out who Calvert-Lewin reminds me of. It's an actor. Um, Are you familiar with uh, Cliff Curtis? No, is that that's an actor's name yeah. or a character name? No, yeah. it's his act. Yeah, so he was um, pa- uh, Pablo Escobar in Blow. He was also uh, Smiley in Training Day. Anyways, I saw Training Day, but just Any- once. Yeah. Anyways, uh, just about twenty years ago, I think they're a splitting image. But um, so uh, as fate would have it, Mendy actually takes out Calvert Lewin on a challenge, uh, and it's a penalty qu- uh, penalty kick is awarded apparently Sigurdsson takes these for Everton but and not the team and league's lead scorer um but you know whatever I'm I I don't know (laughs) what's going on there I I kind of feel back it it seems like so long ago back in those early days of this season before Richarlison got himself booted for three matches because of a straight red uh, I feel like Richarlison was kicking their their penalties back then when yeah. we had all these penalties due to handballs and all that handball yeah. calls or le- good calls within the rules but bad within bad rules. shall we say yeah. the spirit of the rule <laughs> or yeah bad rule. Um, so, anyways, uh, you know, uh, Mendy gives up the penalty kick, um, but it was kind of his fault for the challenge, so that's fine. Um, around the 60th minute, another one of these. Uh, you know, Calvert-Lewin is taken out in the box, um, but it was actually VAR reviewed and overturned because he was actually off sides um, moments before. So another one of those that yeah. we just talked about. Um, Calvert-Lewin was actually taken out quite a few times in this match, hit the dirt. Uh, it was pretty beaten up. Um, 1-0 Everton is the final in this one. Uh, Jordan Pickford, the Everton keeper, actually had a monster game, uh, fantasy-wise, and just was everywhere all over the place. So... Well, that's good because he had been, he'd been, he's had moments on the hot seat himself. Well, yeah, he's been. Ta- didn't he take out uh, Virgil Van Dyke? I think he was the one. Yes, he was. Yeah, uh, but I just mean as far as um, you know, giving up too many goals. Oh, he yeah. had been like towards the yeah. end of last season in particular. I think he was. Uh, it was a, it was a debate Merseyside whether or not he was going to continue to be the, uh, the Everton keeper. So, uh, that's, that's good to see that he's getting his stuff together as they say yeah uh that was chelsea's uh, only their second loss on the year so um sunday we had southampton hosting sheffield we're not gonna talk too much about this just to report uh that sheffield again lost and again uh had a clean sheet against them 
Uh, yeah, so. I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna stop with the. They're not this bad. Uh, apparently, they are. <laughs> apparently, they are this bad. You know, they. Last year must have been the outlier. I mean, they were in the championship two years ago, right? Yeah, they were. I so. Mean. Last year, they 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 played over their heads defensively, yep. and so we thought that was going to mean something. I'm a New York Jets fan. They ended last season six and two. Now it was a very soft six and two because of their opponents, and everybody knew it. But we stand here today, and the New York Jets are zero and thirteen and have a, a point differential of minus two hundred plus. That is historically bad. That is pretty bad. There is a genuine, legitimate debate that they could be having the worst non-expansion team season in history. And I'm, at this point, agreeing with it. Because I can't think of any non-expansion team. You know, okay, oh, the 76 Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you know, went winless and lost 280 points. Had a minus two hundred and eighty point point differential in only fourteen games. Okay, yeah, they were an expansion team. It was their first year, and yeah. the, you know they were playing high school players. So that is to be expected. A team coming off of a you know a, a second half where they they finished down the stretch six and two, and people are saying, yeah, they'll go somewhere between six and ten and nine and seven this year. You don't expect to go zero and thirteen. Sheffield, we probably should have thought a little harder when we mm-hmm. were, were writing up their predictions for how they were going to do you know what talent do they really have who who are their offensive studs you know in this season where this weekend notwithstanding the season where goals are coming out of people's ears who's going to score them for Sheffield yeah you know? I mean Lundstrom especially in a week when you know teams were struggling to score goals they wound up giving up three i mean come yeah. on you know um so we also had crystal palace hosting tottenham um so again it's hard what an opportunity uh, yeah it's uh hard for us to enjoy this one though because uh, our fantasy opponent had uh, the tottenham two-step <laughs> of uh, harry kane and Son. um so you know of course around the 20th minute Son assists Keane on a really nice long goal um but right before that maybe not right before but minutes before that there was this lovely near score I feel like it might have been off a set piece maybe a corner maybe a free kick something where it was non-Kane or Son as the potential assister and non-Kane or Son uh, as, the as the potential scorer yeah. that you know you watched and I think it might have it might have gone wide you're like, oh, God, that would have been great to have Spurs take the lead on something that wouldn't hurt us fantasy-wise. Because right. <laughs> you know any minute now, Sohn or Kane or both are going to be involved in a score. And our opponent had Kane cap. No, he had Vardy captain, yeah. which was an entire That's other That's another problem. story, yeah. Um, but, yeah, in the 20th minute, uh, you know, Sohn assisted Kane. Uh, really long shot. And, you know, the... Crystal Palace keeper actually made a mistake on this. He went the wrong way, was caught leaning, got a hand on it, but it still went in. Yeah. Um, I would say, you know, Tottenham controlled the first half and Crystal Palace controlled the second half. This is sort of an unbiased point of view, but watching that second half, it just seemed inevitable that Crystal Palace was going to break through at some point. I had that yeah. I had that Spursy feeling that they were yeah. going to give it up at some point and um, and at, you know, around the 80th minute, they do uh, equalize on a free kick. Um, so one-one draw is the final in this one. Uh, Spurs miss a big opportunity to totally. Uh, yeah, I mean that's that's one. Come April, I think they're going to be really kicking themselves yeah. over that one. Um, again, not so much because it was Crystal Palace, although that that's a part. But man, 80 minutes. You can't close it out after 80 friggin' minutes. And and I, you know, what do I know? I'm not suggesting that, that, you know, maybe uh, Jose should have executed some sort of subs, uh, get some fresh legs in there, something, uh, you know, change the formation. You know, he's forgotten more about soccer than I'll ever know, of course. But, God damn, you know, 10 minutes. Uh, here's a fun fact, though. I don't know if you knew this, but uh, Kane and Son have scored as many league goals this year as uh, the Real Madrid team. Wow. Yeah, 19. 
Real Madrid's a good team. Yeah. We're not we're not comparing them to you know, Sheffield. No. Yeah. So wow. Um, just the two of them. Just the two of them. Yeah. It's amazing. I think Son has ten and Kane has nine. Wow. Real Madrid has scored nineteen. So. Hmm. Uh, we also had uh, Fulham hosting Liverpool. So this this had a very similar feel to me than the Spurs Crystal Palace game. Um, sort of the split half dominance. Uh, Fulham definitely dominated the first half. Uh, Liverpool tried to take care of business in the second half, but it would be would it be too little too late? Um, so in the 15th minute, there's sort of a non-call on uh, Fabinho. Uh, there's a challenge in the box. No penalty kick was awarded to Fulham after a review. There seems to be some disagreement, though, about what the review showed, depending on what you wanted to see. Um, you know, a lot of people are saying he made contact with the ball, and it was a good non-call. A lot of people said he went through a foot to do it, so I don't know. Uh, the call was not made, though. Well, uh, so then the... To me, the system worked because if I agree. if two people look at a review, a, a replay, and come out with different interpretations of it, then it's not clear and obvious. Yeah, so the call stands on the field. Um, Fulham finally breaks through, uh, you know, on a really nice strike by Bobby Reed, uh, one one nil Fulham lead, and then Klopp was super mad and animated on the sideline, and I couldn't tell what it was about. If it was about, a, did he get jobbed or did he not like what he saw in his team's performance? Do you know? I, I don't know. Um, I, I saw the the footage of him losing his mind. Yeah. But I wasn't a hundred percent sure what it was. A lot of times, these guys lose their mind for things you and I don't even see. Sure. And, and I'm not talking camera angle. I'm talking you know the way the play develops. You need a, a, a soccer manager's eye in order to discern it. And I, I just kind of chalked it up that there was some nuance that he probably had told his his charges to not allow to happen and they were allowing it to happen and he lost his mind as a result or he might have been losing his mind at the refs i you just don't know i don't know um second half though liverpool wakes up in the 77th minute uh there's a liverpool free kick where a member of the fulham wall jumped and used his elbow sort of to keep the ball from uh getting passed in the box so this was another one that was sort of hard to judge if you follow the letter to the rule though his elbow was well away from his body when the ball made contact with it. So, yeah, I mean, it, it was letter of the law. It was um, questionable, you know, from a the the stri- jumping straight up, you know, as a wall uh, member, <laughs> as, as, a, <laughs> as a picket in the wall, shall we say? Um, that to me is a movement in which you can control your arms better. You know, we've had some of these. Uh, handball calls where it's unfair to the player against whom it was called because the person was like running full speed changing and, direction and trying to momentum. stop on a dime yeah. yeah change directions in which your arms are going to move away from your body just because momentum and like Newtonian physics standing straight up and down I, this actually reminds me of a question on the rules that I want to ask you Standing straight up and down and jumping straight up is not a movement in which your elbow will naturally flow away from your body. So this one, I was, you know. Well, I mean, I think the main thing your hand should be doing in a wall is protecting something else. Correct. And I, even I remember that from youth soccer. So here's <laughs> so. my question, though. I don't know why I never thought about it before. But so on a free kick, if you blast it into a defender's lower abdominal region uh and it hits their hands i assume that's not a handball yeah because the rule is supposed to be it can hit your hand if your hand is adjacent to your body um i mean i I was thinking the whole natural position thing i don't know if the Um, you know uh oratorical fig leaf positioning right Um, is uh is necessarily a natural position but uh, so it's it's close to your body, so that's what saves. Yeah, the okay. the discriminator here seems to be if you have your your arm out, you know, gotcha. six inches to a foot away from your body, and the ball hits it. That seems to be where you get into trouble. Okay. Um, so Sala takes the penalty kick, um, and uh, it's one one draw as the final on this one. A um, couple interesting notes, though. This is only uh, Salah's second goal in his last eleven matches in London. So that's sort of a weird split. That for is him. a weird. Stat. I mean, they, yeah. hell, they play West Ham every year. They, yeah. And this was their Fulham match. And, hmm. Um, interesting. 
And then an, another one that I thought was, uh, so ever since their loss against Watford last year, Liverpool has only won three away fixtures out of 11, including just one out of six this year. So, yeah, that, weird. That doesn't shock me so much. Uh, well, the home away split is a little odd given no fans in the stands. But right. uh, any kind of statistic that suggests that Liverpool is less than dominant wouldn't totally shock me uh, if it's being viewed from the perspective of okay starting your look from their loss to Watford last year through today because you know they won but they they took their foot off the gas right yeah Yeah, they they really did not look good they staggered to the finish line but they walked let's say and this year they're they're in second I mean they're they're tied for points total but it's it's certainly not um a points total similar to being on pace for 110 points, which is where they were last year at this time. This time last year, they were up by eight points yeah. over second place. So, so um, And then the last note on this, I think Jota is confirmed to be out for six to eight weeks, so that's a pretty big blow for them. It is. He was, I mean, both as the super sub, um, you know, to run in there, say, at uh, minute 65 and give you a goal at minute 68, had been yeah. something he was good for, or like clockwork. Yeah, um, you know, or for for a team that has Europe play, who wants to uh, maybe do some some resting, or a team that's battling injuries, uh, he was a good starter for them. So that that could come back to bite them. You know, I'm sure they hope that their their injuries are, with the exception of Van Dyke, all behind them, but. There's a lot of season left. There so is. Being without a guy like that can can be painful. No pun intended. <laughs> I did not mean that. Um, and I think the last game we'll talk about is Arsenal hosting Burnley. Um, so Arsenal's off to their worst start in any league since 1981, just for some context there. Um, parts of this one looked more like a UFC match than a soccer match, though, but I guess let's, uh, let's get like in. Like the choking, for example? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, this was a pretty normal nil-nil game heading into the second half when uh, Arsenal player Jaka, I believe that's how it's pronounced, um, takes down Burnley's McNeil in a pretty obvious foul around midfield. So there was some pushing and shoving. About five players from each side got into it. Jaka ends up with the yellow card. Um, I was assuming it was for the foul and not for any of the pushing or shoving that followed, and that was the end of it, or was it? So VAR gets involved and identifies that during the skirmish, Jocka actually has Burnley's Ashley Westwood by the throat. Yeah, and it uh, wasn't a mistake. No. I mean, like, he thrust his hand at his throat. It was intentional, the whole schmear. I mean, it was hard because you could actually see neck, skin yeah. over the hand, right? So, I mean, there was quite a bit of force there. Um, so VAR actually gives him a red card on this, rightfully so. The one point of clarification, though, I had on this was that the announcers were saying that the yellow card had been canceled because of this. But I thought the yellow card was for the foul. Now, if you get a yellow card for a foul, then do something stupid to get a red card. That canceled, like, I thought uh, they were unrelated, so I wasn't sure. That's an interesting point, but what, what I took away from it was, oh, they're making a point to say, because he choked the dude, it's not merely you're out because two yellows equals a red. Which would be less, yeah. And you will miss the next game. This is, oh no, Cochise, this is a straight red. You're out, and we'll see you four weeks from now because you're out for the next three. Which I think is fine. I just Absolutely. It was questionable whether or not he should have gotten both. I mean, the straight red and the yellow for the foul. Because, so I mean, miss four f- matches? Which I don't know. I, yeah, so... Uh, I mean, he just looked like a thug on he that did. one, you know. I mean, it was a really, really bad sequence for him. Um, so, anyways, Arsenal was playing with a man down for nearly half of a nil-nil game. Uh, then there was another incident around the 70th minute. Uh, Burn- Burnley setting up for a corner, and El Nini for Arsenal is covering Burnley's Tarkowski and kind of shoves uh, Tark in the face. I don't know if you saw this. Yeah. Um, so VAR uh, reviews it, and only the yellow card is issued for El Nini. I didn't have a problem with this. There was a funny sequence, though, after where the two of them were tr- kind of trying to simulate what had happened afterwards, like putting hands on chests and faces. For the ref? Just, I think, to get the story straight between the two of them. <laughs> it was 
It was kind of funny. Um, on the corner kick, however, poor Obama Yang for Arsenal. Heads it into his own goal. Um, just really, really pathetic. I feel so bad for the guy. He's, he can't score. No. I mean, he, he scored, well, that scored that one. Scored that one, yeah. Um, but he is he's a shell of himself. And I I don't believe that it's one of these, ha-ha, I got my money, now I'm not going to try. He's out there trying. It's just not working. Yeah, it's just not clicking. Um, so, uh one nil holds up for the Burnley win. Um, you know, Arsenal's it's lost a big four. win for Burnley. Oh, huge! I mean, they big increased loss for Arsenal. Burnley increases their points by fifty percent from six to nine. They're temporarily out of relegation. You know, for now, still early. Um, but you know, Arsenal's lost four and five, four of five, and their starting eleven, I think, is worth four hundred and forty-one million pounds. I believe it. I mean, uh, Gabriel I mean, was a big signing. Oh yeah, Amiang signed his big contract this offseason. Um, you know, I'm sure David Luiz is getting paid for for having a bandage wrapped around his head and, and yeah, being clumsy, being a doofus. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I maybe there's a serious cause for concern there. Um, you know, I uh, I don't know hey, what look, to say. None of the big six teams were all that impressive this this weekend. So no. Um, who knows? Maybe maybe some of them are tired from <laughs> from Europe. It's not like this week is going to be any easier for him because uh, you got the midweek match week and then you've got the weekend match week. So um, as I understand it from the schedule that's that's published, these are two separate match weeks that are going to be going on over the next seven calendar days. So uh, lots of soccer if you're into that sort of thing. Here's to hoping that we don't have entire days on Peacock during yeah. that time because I'm looking forward to all these matches. A little more scoring and less draws, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. let's hope. Um, so one way or another, we'll be back next week to fill you in on everything that happened in these 20 matches we're going to have between now and then. Oi. Have my math right there? It's, yeah, two, this, two weeks. That is math yeah. even I'm capable of. So... Again, thank you for listening this week. We don't have a show if not for you. Um, we hope you liked the uh, the new imaging for for the now what did we fuck up segment. I liked it. Yeah. So uh, uh, hopefully we never have to use it again because we'll never get anything wrong again. <laughs> I'm sure we got stuff wrong in this what are the episode. Odds of that one? <laughs> <laughs> all right. So again, thank you for listening. We hope you tune in next week, and we hope you all have a great seven days between now and then. Take care, everybody.